Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we're vibing through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that time in the Bible where a random guy in Iraq literally forces his family into homelessness because he started hearing voices in his head. If you're wondering, what in the world am I talking about? We're talking about Genesis chapter 11, verse 10, all the way to Genesis 12, verse 9. My guest for today is none other than Pastor Kessia Rain. Pastor, um, if someone came home to you, or let's say your husband came home to you one day and said, honey, uh, the voices in my head have made it clear we're going to pack up and start moving. And you're like, okay, where are we going to move? And he's like, I don't know. The voices haven't told me yet. Like, what would be your kind of gut response, do you think? Would you be down for that kind of adventure? Or are you more like a plan before you do something kind of a person? I'm definitely a, I, that is not nearly enough information to act on kind of a, <laughs> that would be a hard no from Kessie Rain. But this is kind of what the, I mean, I'm sure they had a, a further conversation. Uh, for context, it's Abram. It's the story of his call to to leave his hometown and to go to a place that God didn't even tell him where he was going yet. So this is the story that we're talking about. But the way that the text breaks it down, it doesn't seem like there was much consideration, much conversation with his with his family. It's just like, sounds good, God. Like, here we go. Like, we're ready to go. And I'm sure it wasn't that simple. It probably wasn't that simple. Something that the the Bible might be famous for uh, is that it gives really lean narratives. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mm -hmm. give all the details that stories that we write and consume today give us. Right. So there was probably more happening here, but definitely what we do know for sure is the Lord tells Abraham, go and I'll bless you. And so Abraham goes oh, and he brings, you made the mistake already. We talked about it beforehand. We're gonna we're, we're gonna do this. It's Abraham, but it's Abram. He's not quite yet Abraham. If you're not sure what that means, it, it'll make it'll make itself clear in future episodes. But it is Abram for the sake of this episode. You're 100 percent right. Ah, and I even said let's let's watch it, and I totally flipped. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, Abram, Abram, that's the guy. That's the guy. Yep, yep, yep. 
So, so I mean, I have so many questions leading into this, and maybe we should kind of backtrack a little bit because the, the, the verses that we carved out, they included genealogy. And as you all know who've been moving with us through the, the recent episodes, genealogies, I think, were maybe I'm not the only one. I hope I'm not the only one. Most of us end up kind of skipping through. But as we've seen in the previous genealogies, there is there is a point. There is at least a general thrust of why this is here. And so I guess I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. What's the value of the genealogy that we see in Genesis 11? And I'm sure that it has some tie-in with Abram, our main character, that we're going to kind of like follow for the next several chapters. Oh, yeah. Actually, this is a this is a pivot point in the book of Genesis. And okay. what we've seen... Uh, through Genesis is sometimes um, called the book of generations because mm. it uses this word in Hebrew, the word is toledot, but it uses this idea of generations all through the book to kind of mark out um, where the focus is going to go. And it, it it's talking about origins and it's tracing basically how we got here from there. And so mm. the genealogy helps us with that. The genealogy in Genesis 11 helps us know, okay, we're going to land on Abraham, but how do we get from what has already happened to Abram? Like, where is that? How is that line happening? And so that helps us know, okay, he's a descendant of Shem. And we also see how the lifespans are changing after the flood. Yeah. God is like, okay, this like thousand years thing of life, that's not going to work. So mm -hmm. we're shortening lifespans. So you see that actually happening. You see people having children younger and younger. So it, it ties Abram to the descendant as a descendant of Shem. And I think gives us a clue about how Abram knew who the Lord was. Because oh. we have a whole long section where the Lord is not even mentioned. So right. through that whole, um, the descendants of Shem and descendants of Terah. And then chapter 12, the Lord says to Abram, well, how would Abram know who that, who the Lord is? Like, right. is it just who's in his head? Did he wake up with indigestion? Like, is this <laughs> other God? Like, who's talking? What's happening? And mm -hmm. so I think that genealogy helps us understand, okay, the knowledge of the Lord is being passed on from fan, like generation to generation. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we see how Genesis zooms in from like, okay, you have, Adam and Eve. And then it, you get a lot of people. And then the flood, you get few people. And then you get mm. a lot of people, Tower of Babel. And now he's zeroing in again mm. on this one family. So we need to know who this family is, where they came from. And then, of mm. course, in the New Testament, it'll show up when we're trying to trace the genealogy of Jesus. Interesting. Okay, so this, this helps bring a little bit of context because, you know, we do this thing where we like to read a chapter of the Bible in kind of in isolation without the context of what's happening before. And yeah, if you start your Bible reading in Genesis chapter 12, cause like, Oh, brand new character. This is something that I can relate to. Uh, forget the genealogy before me, before this, this section, I, I think you kind of get the impression like, oh, okay, this is a weird story. Like this random dude is hearing voices, but, but the context of there's a family lineage there, there is a hist there's a historical precedent of people seeking after God and God at work. So it starts to make a little bit more sense that maybe it wasn't so crazy when Abram started to talk to his family and his wife or his children and say, Hey, this is kind of what we're doing. It, it reminds me, and you, you may not know this about, uh, about me, Kesia, um, is that w five years ago, I was actually teaching at a Bible college in the, in Philadelphia in the East coast. And long story short, very much kind of abbreviated in the, in the Genesis chapter 12 kind of style, right? There was one day when I came home from work and told Emily, my wife, 
God's made it clear. It's time for me to quit my job. We're going to move back to the West Coast and I'm going to pursue this random thing that I'm going to call digital missions where I'm going to make videos on the internet and try and talk about the gospel. And to her credit, and I think that this is just a, a massive testimony to her, and, and I think that this is also a testimony to the family of Abraham. There are unsung heroes in this chapter. She took like one breath and was like, all right, let's do it. 30 days later, we were moving across the country. And this was in our first year of marriage. And so like, I think of my wife, Emily, and her faith and her trust, not only in me, but her faith in God that like he, I wasn't going crazy. Um, I think of people that are not explicitly mentioned as heroes in the narrative, but are absolutely pivotal to the narrative that we're reading today. Yeah, that is an, that's an amazing story. Way to go, Emily. And I guess way to go, Sarai. It's like, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, the Bible here is telling us that there were two big moves they made. The first okay. was, yeah, the first was that they left. So Terah, Abram's dad, took his family after their son Haran died, took his hmm. family and they moved from Ur of Chaldea. So you mentioned Iraq, right? So they moved from the Iraq region and they were going to go all the way to Canaan. They didn't make it that far. They stopped in a place they ended up naming, it appears, after the son who had died. And hmm. they stayed there for a while. And it was from that place, partway from where he grew up to where God was taking him, that God came to Abram and said, okay, pack up, take up your family. We're going. Interesting. Uh, th this is kind of cool because, again, when you when the, the Bible does the abbreviated version, you get the sense that you go from where you are to where God wants you to be, like in the snap of a finger, where, you know, all your problems are solved. If you just said yes, everything would, like paths would clear open and the proverbial seas would open before you, which is uh, obviously we're going to get to Exodus some point in this whole experience of the move. But we get the sense that that's how it always happens. And maybe it does happen that way for many people in many different circumstances, but the good news, at least for me in my own circumstances, is that it doesn't always happen that way. There are stopping points and waypoints along the way. Oh, absolutely. And and it's a little hard to connect with the geography sometimes because right. like I'm talking about someone else's hometown. It doesn't mean that much that like the pharmacy on Q Street is now a Kroger or whatever. Like I don't I've never seen that pharmacy. I'm not sad. I'm not happy. Never been to Q Street. Mm. Don't know anything about this. So when we're reading about Ur and Chaldea and Heron and Bethel and AI and whatever, it's like, I don't know. And to be honest, I struggle even still, but I super, super, super used to struggle with even reading that. My eyes are just like Yes, glaze, glaze over. over. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, even I'm the same way. Genealogies, because at least genealogies, I'm like, okay, these are people. So people are cool. Oh, I just <laughs> not with the with the with the geography. And so anyway, I, it's taken me some time, but now I try to like look up where things are on the map and try to remember oh, because God okay. often in scripture puts down payments. So he brings up the name of a place. So like hmm. if you're paying attention, you read this thing through and you're like, okay, I'm reading it. Okay, Canaan, that's going to show up later. But you say like Shechem. Okay, hmm. that comes back later. Bethel, that oh. comes back later. AI, like other stuff happens in these same places. And kind of like history starts getting built up here. So when you come to that place, kind of like if we were going to talk about Gettysburg, right? Hmm. Like if yeah, someone's like, yeah. any, in any way, somebody built this house in Gettysburg, you'd be like, 
huh, that's interesting because wasn't that the battle and there was a speech or whatever. And then you come to find out like that guy that moved there ended up fighting the Battle of Gettysburg and then he died and left a widow. It's like that's how the Bible stories unfold. So mm. that helped me be a little bit more interested in the names of places that otherwise were like, I could not care less. So, okay, so I haven't done the homework on geography for this chapter. I, it wasn't even something that I was thinking about. And I don't know if it's unfair to put you on the spot, but are there some take-homes from the geography that's mentioned here other than it'll get mentioned later? Like, like how far of a journey has you been called to go through? Like eventually from, from Ur to Canaan, what, what is that span estimated to be? Like, Yeah, I'm not up on all the mileage, but I okay, did look okay. this up a little bit in my map. Because I, I think Abram was during the what they call the Late Bronze Age. So I was like, okay, where are all these places? So hmm. it is like hundreds of miles. I mean, he probably hmm. went like, I don't know, maybe 300, 400, 500 miles from Iraq to, I mean, Ur of Chaldea, wherever. That's like super far south. Where my map says Haran or Haran is, is like, mm -hmm. I don't even know, maybe like, 500 miles away and then from mm. that place to canaan would be another like three to four hundred miles so i mean wow. and imagine you're not there's no like train like this right. is taking forever yeah. and in the there's meantime no, there's no gas station to pick up your your chips or to use a potty break <laughs> like you know there's no toilet paper that hasn't been invented yet like oh my goodness exactly and we might not understand that that Abram is actually traveling with a huge group of people he has to keep fed. Mm, it's not just yeah. him and his wife. It's him and his wife and it's Lot. And it's all of the people, their household. So right. this also includes mate, like servants and all sorts of people. So he's got this whole company he has to feed. And yeah. he's probably pretty wealthy. But I don't know if he was by the end of the trip because like he <laughs> spent all that coin feeding this crew. But anyway. For sure. I mean, that, that definitely is, is stressful. It was stressful enough for me to take care of, quote unquote, take care of, to make this decision to, to quit my job, to follow what we believed God was calling us to do. And it's just me and Emily, but we at least had the, the safety net of, God forbid, we went bankrupt, you know, we could move into my parents or something along those lines that we wouldn't be destitute. But like, if you're traveling out in the middle of nowhere, like death is, is a very real a character at play like who knows if you just make one or two wrong steps it could be the worst case scenario and so so it helps me to understand a lot more why abram is described first and foremost as a man of faith uh that he believed and that's what mattered the most it's like yes he did say yes but there's a whole like build-up process to saying yes to god it's the, it requires faith it requires trust and belief that that he's going to be able to take care of you in the middle of this calling yeah, absolutely. Faith is could be described as the yes of the heart. Hmm. And in order to do something radical like this, this kind of radical availability, you have to have that kind of faith. And we see that in display with Abram. And I, I mean, I don't know. I know we have a few years between us, but are you too young to have played Oregon Trail on the computer? No, I remember Oregon Trail and dying of dysentery all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That kind of thing, right? Like this is, you're saying you can make one or two wrong moves. And, and in addition, they have all sorts of like robbers and marauders right, on the trail yeah. that are going to try to hijack you. And you have to have guards and all this kind of stuff because they're going to rob you. I mean, that was the kind of thing you're like, what if, I don't know, are you fording rivers or what? I don't know what it's like in a desert. But anyway, I know I never made it to Oregon. Um, so <laughs> that's too bad. Version. 
Thank, thankfully, it was just virtual. Thankfully, uh, you haven't been put to the test like Abram has been. Hey, in, in our remaining time, I have kind of maybe two ideas, and you, maybe we can pick one uh, as far as what do we kind of end our time together on. I, I'm really curious if there's uh, if it's worth spending our remaining minutes on the whole blessing and cursing and kind of God's promise to Abraham. Or alternatively, if maybe we kind of talk a little bit more about this theme of hearing God's voice, because I know that reading stories as a kid, whenever I would hear uh, the story of someone who allegedly heard the voice of God and then now got to do this miraculous thing, I was always very envious of what does that look like and how do I maybe even get to tap into that in my own life. And it wasn't until many, 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 many years later that I, I feel like I'm starting to come to terms with, okay, yeah, no, God is personal and he does speak to me. So I don't know. I'm sure our listeners wish we could do both of them, but we can only do one. Maybe you choose our journey and choose where we're going to end for us. Well, I'm going to say that that talking about the voice of God is super important, and you should put a pin in that for when you get to the story of the sacrifice of Isaac. Because the question oh, there is, yeah. how do you ever know that this God was telling him to do this crazier thing? You thought moving yeah. to... Canaan was crazy. Wait for that. So okay, I would so, say... Spoiler alert. In a couple chapters, there's a yeah. sp- this same guy is called to do something even crazier. You already mentioned it is basically literally sacrifice his child alive because the voices in his head told him to do it. So we'll talk about that. So we're going to instead focus on the blessing, curse kind of promise that God gives us. Or yeah, gives Abram. I, sorry. I think the thing that is most... Um, I think there are two things that stand out to me about this promise that we can't miss. And one of them is that he tells Abram that he is going to make of Abram a great nation. And that's cool. Abram is 75 years old and he has no kids. And we cannot at this point think that, well, you know, back then they were having kids at like 125 years old because the genealogy has just shown us how that has started to change. Now people are having kids in their 20s. Wow. This, I remember thinking this as a kid. It's like, okay, yeah, he's 75, but yeah, people live to a thousand. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah, wow. Exactly. Okay. I'm seeing the value of the, of the genealogy here that it, that it is a very, wow. Okay. Well done. Well, way to tie that in. That's awesome. Well, something there. So, so we have to know, like, this is already on Abram's mind. He has hmm. nobody, he has no legacy right now. Hmm. He has nothing. He's adopted Lot, basically, like his brother. Maybe this is why he's so wealthy. He's got that double income, no kids <laughs> lifestyle, right? He's like, yeah, I'll just get the servants. We'll get the animals. We'll, we'll be That's all right. right. We... Yeah, urban elite over here. Um, there it is. So this guy it basically kind of adopts his brother's son. When his brother dies, Lot kind of follows Abram. Wherever Abram goes, Lot goes. But he doesn't have an heir of his own. And God promises him that he's going to make a great nation of him. So there's got to be a question mark here. Like, how in the world are you going to do that? But, Mm. of course, the rest of the story is going to show us exactly how God does that. And the second thing to notice about this promise is that God says, In you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Not only am I I going to give you a family, this is a Mm -hmm. global promise. It's in one guy, global promise. I thought it was interesting because right on the tail end of like, hey, anyone who curses you, like I'm going to curse them. So it was like, there's this real sense in like, you touch him, like you're screwed, but you're still going to get blessed through him. It's like, whoa, I thought that was like an interesting contrast. That is so true. And and again, the, the, the narrative will keep going and it will show us how people who wrong Abram, even when they didn't know they were wronging him, 
are kind mm-hmm. of in like dangerous ground and God mm-hmm. will show up to people and be like, Hey, don't mess. And the person's like, yeah. what? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like you right, you right. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. No, that's super cool. So the narrative actually shows how God is fulfilling his promise early, but then we have to wait to the new Testament to see how yeah. God ultimately fulfills this promise. I think this is interesting because like, I'm sure if I'm in Abram's position, it's like, well, what does that mean? I mean, it sounds great. Sign me up. I want that. Like, I, I would love to be the conduit of blessing for the entire world. But what, how? How, do, how does this look like? I think those would be some of my first questions. And you're right. Like, it doesn't become immediately clear until the, till, until the New Testament. However, though, you're, you're talking about the, the, the genealogy and the upbringing and the training that Abram had received. And obviously, he's heard the stories of Adam and Eve and the promise that was given. Do you think that he, ma- he himself made the connection right away, that that's what, what, what the Lord was talking about, that maybe through him the seed would come? Maybe. I don't know if he made it right away, but I bet that later as more promises are given and God mm. specifically says, I'm giving you offspring. I'm giving you ah. a child, the child of promise. This has ah. to start ringing bells with the seed of the woman. The offspring of the woman will be the one who crushes the head of the enemy. So mm. whether those bells are ringing right away, but you know what? He had hundreds of miles to think it over. So <laughs> probably could have occurred to him. It just reminds me of like when I was a teenager and I would have, you know, figures in my life, whether they're teachers, excuse me, pastors or parents or whatever the case is, you know, Justin, God's got a plan for your life. He's going to do good things through you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. But like, what, like how, like, I don't understand where my, where I'm supposed to be. I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. What's my calling? What's my mission? What's my purpose? And like this, this searching for meaning and how God was going to use me. Yes. I had the belief in the faith that he was going to do something, but the something was the frustrating part. It's like, I, I wish I knew what the something was. And I don't know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a, a camaraderie here with Abram. It's like, okay, there's going to be a blessing. What does that mean? What does that look like? I believe you. And I'm willing to to walk the walk of faith and to and to do what you call me to do and to trust. But what does that look like? And maybe there's I don't know some some kind of blessing in the anticipation of what could be. Oh, I think you're right. You're right on with that. And it gives me encouragement to know that Abram was super old when all of this went down. <laughs> yeah. If I don't have it like, figured out by 30 years old, like it's still yeah. okay. God's got a plan. You ever see those lists that's like Vera Wang designed her first wedding dress at 40 and like oh, yes. this famous author wrote his first novel or whatever. And they're like, you mm-hmm. know, because we are always like 30 under 30 list and you know, like, right. like you have to do great things by some certain age. And so it's encouraging to know God's chosen guy and the one who had to like live by faith, not know what his purpose was, hear a promise, but not know how it's going to happen and like totally live on the edge of like just radical living. This guy was 75 and up. Yeah. I find that encouraging. Like, man, I, it doesn't, it does not matter how old you are. Like God has something for you. I love that. And when we look at Jesus, it's, it's a very similar story. Here's an unmarried, you know, man with no prospects, lives with his parents at the age of 30, you know, doesn't really have his career in order, just hangs out with the boys all the time. It's like, dude, like we want, like, I think part of the, 
There's a lot of value in the Western world and consumerism and hustle culture and like, yeah, I mean, it's there's good for it, but there's a lot of downside. And when we buy into that myth, when we buy into that lie, it's very easy for us to put our value and our meaning and our purpose in all the wrong things and just to get so discouraged when it's, just, you know, what happens if we just heard where God was calling us to be and trusting his timing and trusting his leading instead. That's totally right. And you'll, I, I wish I could do the whole story of Abram today because mm-hmm. we see how God takes what Abram would have been putting his hope and identity in, which would have been his child, his heir, his family, his legacy, and intentionally presses right there mm-hmm. to be like, that's not it. It's, wow. it's, it's promise and faith. That's where life really mm-hmm. is. I love it. I love it. That's a beautiful place to end. Uh, I'm super excited. Thank you again so much for the time today. And I can't wait for our next conversation. This is going to be so much fun. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Justin. So for today's plug, I actually want to talk about one of my favorite podcasts that some friends of mine have actually produced. That's absolutely amazing. It's called How the Church Works. Um, I know that a lot of you guys who are listening were probably born and raised in the Seventh-day Adventist church or denomination context, kind of that kind of a thing. Um, And you have questions like I have grown up with questions like, how exactly does this thing work? What about women's ordination? Where's our tithe go? And all, what about the historic racism in the Western United, you know, in the Western world? Like there's a lot of questions about how Adventism as a structure works that, you know, maybe you've never had satisfying answers to. Well, this podcast actually gets to talk about a lot of those things. And it's a fantastic kind of like investigative journalism approach to the way that the church actually works. Now, if you're listening to this and you're not a Seventh-day Adventist, I think that this is actually still kind of interesting. I have been uh, kind of on this kick where for the last several years, I've been what I call spiritually curious. You know, when Mormons knock on my door, I invite them in and I have long form conversations with them, asking all the kinds of questions that you would want to ask. I go and visit mosques in Los Angeles to hang out with imams because I'm just, I'm curious, how do other people see the world? And is there a way that we can build relationships through asking genuine questions? And so all that to say, even if you're not Adventist, I think that this is a podcast that you might appreciate. Uh, all the guests on this show, The Move, we were all born and raised in the Adventist context and have some kind of meaningful relationship to the church. And so if you're curious about what some of the behind the scenes talks are like within our, our network, this is a podcast that I would very enthusiastically recommend in case you wanted to check that out. Again, that's called How the Church Works, and you can find that on anywhere you find podcasts.